And good afternoon, everybody. You're in very good voice, let me say. You get, a, you get great audio standing up uh, on the stage here. Our theme for our Christmas celebrations and carol services this year is the surprise of Christmas. Christmas can feel very familiar, but I hope we're going to see in the next few minutes that there are a number of big surprises to it. And to do that, we're going to think about what nativity plays tell us about Christmas, which perhaps isn't 100% reliable, and what God tells us in the Bible, which is totally reliable. And actually, what God tells us in the Bible is way, way better than the nativity play version of Christmas. But it might come as a bit of a surprise to us. Now, just put your hand up if you've ever been in a nativity play or you've ever seen a nativity play. Put your hand up if you've been in one or you've seen one. That is, I think, just about all of us. Now, I know there are a few teachers here and you may have had to try to cast a nativity play and that is a tricky business. Why is it so difficult? Well, because... In the nativity story, there are only so many parts, but the average class size is 30, and so somehow you have to turn 30 into everyone gets a part. If you've seen the film Love Actually, just put your hand up if you've seen the film Love Actually. Gosh, that's more of us than we're in a nativity play. That's extraordinary. Uh, there's, a, there's a scene in Love Actually where the mum, played by Emma Thompson, is in the kitchen, and uh, her daughter comes into the kitchen uh, and says, we've been given our parts in the nativity play. <gasps> mum's so excited. And I'm the lobster, says the, uh, says the girl. The lobster, asks the mum, yeah. In the nativity play, yeah. First lobster. You, you mean, says the mum, that at the birth of Jesus, there was more than one lobster present. To which the little girl just turns to her and goes, duh. We know a certain amount uh, about the birth of Jesus because God tells us in the Bible, particularly uh, in the accounts of Jesus' life written by Matthew and written by Luke. Now, in the next few slides, there are going to be four images. And what you have to do, this is something just to have a little chat about with the, with the person next to you or the people around you. What you have to do is work out whether the image is something that is in the Bible or just in nativity plays. So, here are your first four. Mary, Joseph, the angel Gabriel, and baby Jesus in a manger. Four images, just have a little chat. How many of those do you think are actually in the Bible rather than just being in a nativity play? So work out where you are, how many you think it is. Okay, that's enough talking, plenty of talking. So put your hand up if you think that four of those are in the Bible. Put your hand up. Okay, hands down. Three, two, one, zero. If you put your hand up for four, you are absolutely right. They're all, they're all there. Let's have the next four images, please. Shepherds, a baby lamb, wise men, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, just have a chat where you are. How many of those are in the Bible? How many are just in the nativity play? 
And let's come back together. Put your hands up if you think that four of those are in the Bible. Put your hands up if you think three, two, one, zero. If you said three, you are correct. There is no, there's no baby lamb in the Bible accounts of Jesus' birth. We think there is. It comes from the carol where uh, it, it I think it's the carol in the bleak midwinter. What can I bring in poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. But it, there's no lamb actually mentioned in the Bible accounts. Okay, let's see the next four. The inn, the innkeeper, a stable, and a donkey. That undoubtedly is going clippity-clop. So, inn, innkeeper, stable, donkey. Have a little chat. How many of those are in the Bible How many are just in the nativity play? And let's come back together. If you think that four of those are in the Bible accounts, put your hand up. Three, two, one, zero. Well... You're wrong if, it's, if you said four. You're wrong if you said three. You're wrong if you said two. Now, you might be right if you said one, but I'm actually going to suggest that none of these are in, the, are in the, uh, what the Bible actually says. And we're going to explore why that is and what difference it makes. Now, you may instantly be thinking, annoying church minister ruining the Christmas story. I... I hope in a few minutes you will think, as I think, that I'm doing the exact opposite, that actually I'm showing us, trying to show us what the Bible says, and we'll see how wonderful what the Bible says is, far better than we ever imagined. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to think about the fairly simple question, where was Jesus born? Where was Jesus born? And as we do so, we'll discover the surprise of Christmas. And we're going to follow through our second Bible reading, the one Caitlin read from us, from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. And we're just going to follow through what Luke tells us. So we know that a census had been called. Now, a census is a big count. And we're told that everyone went to their own town to register. Everyone went to the town that their family had originally come from. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, if we can have the the next slide, please. Nazareth, up the top here, that's where Joseph was living when the census, the big count, was called. But he originally, his family originally came from Bethlehem. So he had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which was about... 70 miles. Okay, it's quite a long way, 70 miles. And we're told that he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So, where was Jesus born? He was born, first of all, in Bethlehem. Now, that's important because God had said 700 years beforehand that the king that he would send would be born in Bethlehem, would come from Bethlehem. That's why it's a big deal. 
But let's pick up what we're told in Luke chapter 2. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Now, this is where the confusion begins to set in. Because we know that a manger is an animal feeding trough. And where do animals live? Well, we know that animals live in a stable. So we think Jesus must have been born in a stable. But the Bible doesn't say that Jesus was born in a stable. It says that he was laid in a manger. If I asked you where a manger would be, you would answer, well, in a stable, of course, that's, that's where mangers go. But if I'd asked someone in the first century Judea where a manger would be, they would have said, well, in a house, of course. Houses in those days, they were usually one main living area. That's where the, the family lived. But then at the other end, there would be at the area where the animals lived. And it would have been separated, these two areas of the house, by the mangers. Can we see the, the mangers here? A nice big red arrow showing it to us. When Mary gave birth to Jesus, she wasn't in a stable. She was in a house. Where was Jesus born? He was born in Bethlehem. He was born in a house, a family home. And we'll think in a moment how wonderful that is. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a house. But hang on a minute, you might be thinking. Doesn't it say in the Bible that there was no room for them in the inn? I've said that, that there's no inn in the Bible. But surely you may be thinking there is an inn. And if there is an inn... Those putting together a nativity play, well, there's got to be an innkeeper and an innkeeper's wife and probably an innkeeper's donkey and, and, and all the rest and the parts can start multiplying. To, to which the answer is, the inn is there in some translations of the Bible, but maybe it shouldn't be. Let me try and explain. Luke wrote in Greek, the whole of the New Testament is written in Greek. And then the Bibles that we have, uh, the New Testament's translated from Greek into English. And praise God that they are, because I don't know about you, but my Greek is not very good. I gather that there is a word in Greek that is translated in. But that is not the word that Luke uses here. He uses a totally different word. I wonder if you spotted what Caitlin read. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, it's not quite as catchy to have a song going, no room in the guest room. But, but that's what Luke is saying here. Mary and Joseph, remember, they were going from Nazareth to Bethlehem to Joseph's hometown. Which means that when they're going to their hometown, they wouldn't have tried to stay with strangers. They wouldn't have gone to an inn. They'd have tried to stay with family, with a brother or sister or cousin or third cousin twice removed. But they'd have gone to family 
They wouldn't have gone to an inn. And you see, Holmes would have had a guest room. There it is at the upper level, a guest room. But remember, this is, this is census time. This is big count time. By the time Joseph and Mary arrive in Bethlehem, the guest room probably had already been taken. There was no room in the guest room. Why does Mary wrap Jesus in cloths and place him in a manger? Because they weren't in the guest room when Mary gave birth. They were in the family living area. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem, in a house, among people. But you may be thinking, so what? So what? What difference does this possibly make? Whether Jesus was born in a stable, away from everyone, or in a house among people, so what? Well, I want to say, so everything. Here's the surprise of Christmas. When God came to earth, he didn't separate himself from people and stay far off. That wasn't why Jesus came. He came to be among us. Here's what John, another of the gospel writers, says. This was our third reading. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You see, where Jesus was born helps answer an even bigger question. Why was Jesus born? God became a human being in order to be among us. God isn't distant and far off, but close by and wanting to know us. That's the surprise of Christmas. That God wants to know you. God wants to know you. Do you know God like that? Personally, as your friend? Here at Emmanuel, we believe that it's possible not just to know about God, but to know him personally. And that that is life at its absolute best. But do you know God like that through Jesus? If the answer is honestly that that you don't, or, or not really, well, can I say you've only just begun to discover the surprise of Christmas. And we would love to invite you to explore with us How wonderful it is to know God personally. That's why Jesus was born, because God wants to know you. Which begs the question of you. If Jesus was born because God wants to know you, how are you going to respond to God? How are you going to respond to God? to God. I'm going to give us just a few moments of quiet to think about that question and then I will say a prayer. So let's have just a moment of quiet to think about that question. Dear Lord God, we thank you that Jesus was born as a baby to live 
among people because you want to know us. Thank you for this amazing surprise of Christmas. And we pray that each one of us will be helped by you to respond to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.